this morning uh, we'll go back to romans chapter 8 and we'll continue with where we left sons of god are led by the spirit sons of god are led by the spirit you must be having a question how about daughters i have deliberately retained the apostle paul's words sons of god instead of children of god are sons and daughters of god because of the richness of this metaphor when we truly understand what sons of god mean a few of the present day bible translations carry terms such as children of god or sons and daughters of god in our present day only gender neutral language that means is you know i should put children that's what is considered appropriate and referring to women with a masculine pronoun is considered insensitive so this morning you could ask me pastor how can you call me as sons of god christian women should not complain and grumble being called sons similarly christian men should not grumble and complain being called the bride of christ i hope you all are aware of this verse revelation 21 2 i saw the holy city the new jerusalem coming down out of heaven from god prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband let's be very clear christians are all sons and christians are all bride christians are all sons and christians are all bride god is even-handed in the use of metaphors and each metaphor tells us something magnificent significant about our relationship with jesus christ i will explain the richness of this metaphor in my next sermon but today let's just accept that all of us are sons and all of us are bride let's let us accept that and next sunday we will see the richness whenever i preach the next sermon for today's meditation let us read romans chapter 8 verses 14 to 17 together for those who are led by the spirit of god are sons of god the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry abba father the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are god's children now if we are children then we are heirs heirs of god 
and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. This is God's word. Today, we will focus our attention only on verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If we want to understand who a Christian is and why being a Christian is a privilege, we need to take hold of the greatness of this verse. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. With this verse, we come to a new subsection in this chapter. So it is important that we should always be clear about its context. Without context, it becomes a pretext. So we, we, we have to set the context right. So it's important. We need to understand nothing is more important in the interpretation of scripture than to bear in mind its context. And this principle is all the more important in Romans chapter 8 because the Apostle Paul develops a very closely knit theme. The great theme of this entire chapter is assurance and security of the believer. Assurance and security of the believer. So this verse, 814, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So this verse begins with the word for. So it reminds us, though it is a new subsection, it is somewhere linked with the previous verse and the previous subsection. So how does this section follow from the previous one. So Romans 8, 13 says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And then it starts for those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. The Christian is one who, by the help of the Holy Spirit, puts to death, or last Sunday we saw, mortifies, puts to death or mortifies, it means the same, the misdeeds of the body. So this gives us the fact that we are led by the Spirit. Not only we are led by the Spirit, but we are also sons of God. Mortification, putting to death the misdeeds of the body, helps us to understand that we are led by the Spirit, helps us to accept that we are sons of God. There is nothing more wonderful 
that then that we should come to the realization that we are sons of God. What comes to your mind when you think of sons of God? You and I are called as sons of God. So what comes to your mind? There is a popular teaching which says that sanctification is the main theme of this chapter eight. But the more we study this chapter, we realize the main theme of this chapter is assurance and security. Pastor Sunny was referring to this verse. The chapter ends like this. Romans 8, 38-39. These are the last verses of this chapter. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So it is a real error, it's a real mistake to regard sanctification as the more main focus of this chapter. Because when we make sanctification as an end in itself, we tend to start and end with ourselves and with our problems. Sanctification is not bad, but if you, if you make that has the focus, our focus will always be on ourselves. But Paul's main concern is that we should know that we are sons of God and we should live like sons of God. This is the main concern of the Apostle Paul, that we all should know we are sons of God and we should live like sons of God. Those who are in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If we are in Christ Jesus, Paul is telling us, we better know that we are sons of God. And he says, we better live like sons of God. So for this to happen in our lives, we want to live like sons of God. The, the first thing we need to realize is that we are children of Adam by birth. We are children of Adam by birth. Paul tells us none of us by nature is a son of God. By birth, none of us is a son of God. We are all children of Adam. This is our parentage. That is where we belong by nature. By birth, we belong to Adam. We are all born with a fallen 
nature. That's the reason David could say in Psalm 51, 5, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Not even after I was born, from the time my mother conceived me. The only person who is not a child of Adam is our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. He stands alone. He is unique. The only begotten Son of the Father. The only begotten Son of God. Jesus Christ is the only person who does not belong to Adam's parentage, lineage. There are people who talk in terms of universal salvation. They say the whole of mankind will be saved, including the fallen angels and the devil himself. Sometimes such teachings may appear very interesting, very convincing. They will also quote from scripture. They will also tell you enough to say God is a God of love. This is basically a philosophical argument. We need to examine from where did they get the statement. It's, it's a philosophical argument because they go back to the scripture and they will quote Acts chapter 17, 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. If you read this verse carefully, it sounds nice, it's a good verse, but Paul, if you go back and study this verse, Paul is basically quoting two quotes from philosophers. One, a, there are two quotes, there are two philosophers who have said, and he has composed that into one, we have made it as a verse, but Paul is just picking up from two philosophers. One is a Cretan philosopher, and another one is a Cilician philosopher. And whatever they've said, it has been composed as one verse. I'm not going to, uh, to this particular verse. Uh, we, what I want all of us to realize is, we all are by nature as far removed from God as possible. It is not in our DNA to run to God. It is in our DNA to run away from God because we are children of Adam by birth. The other day I was telling you, none of us teach our children you know, to pinch, to steal, to get angry, to beat somebody. None of us teach our children. So it is in our DNA and we are all children of Adam by birth. Jesus told the Jewish people, as recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, 44, you belong to your father. 
is telling to Jewish people, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. But the good news is, that is there in John chapter 1 verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That is the good news. For all those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This only shows that we were not, we were not, we are not children of God till such time we come to believe in his name. This is what Paul is explaining in Romans chapter 8, 4. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Paul is very clear. He says only those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. What Paul wants us to realize is that we are sons of God. We all are sons of God. A master can forgive a slave. I'm talking about a master and his slaves. A master can forgive his slave, but that forgiveness does not change the status of that slave. We, we tend to understand salvation in a very superficial way, or we, we, or we tend to give more focus, or we are only focused on one aspect of salvation, that is forgiveness of sins. So if that is the way we have understood our salvation, Paul says, You have missed out what God has kept for you. If we regard salvation merely as a matter of forgiveness or of justification, it is true in salvation we are forgiven. God forgives us. But if we only stop at that, Paul says probably we should still have a more or less slavish spirit. Because unless there is a change in the status. Because if a master only forgives a slave, and if the slave, if there is no change in his status, that's the way we, in the church, we have tend to proclaim the salvation or that's the way we have understood salvation because we have just, salvation is such a huge thing. And unless we realize that, understand that, we will still struggle in our Christian life. Paul says we must not have such slavish spirit because 
only forgiveness, if you limit salvation only to forgiveness, we will struggle with this kind of spirit. He says, we, we should start our Christian life with the realization that we are sons of God. We should start our Christian life with the realization that we are sons of God. I have not, I have not been taught like this. And I don't think when I was saved, I had this realization. I don't know how many of you will be able to say that. Pastor, when I was saved, I had the realization I have become a son of God. Please share it with me. Uh, it will be helpful for me. We, uh, Paul says, we need to begin the day one. The minute one of a journey with Jesus Christ should begin with the realization that we are sons of God. This is the first assurance we have. Those who believe in Christ are no longer children of Adam. Those who believe in Christ are no longer children of Adam. So this, this clearly teaches us once upon a time, or for some part in our life, we were children of Adam. We had Adam as our forefather. Once upon a time, or for a length of time, we had Adam as our forefather by birth. By birth, Adam was my father. Now the question is, by birth, if I am a child of, a son of Adam, then how do I become a son of God? By birth, if I am born into Adam's family, now how can I become a son of God? The only way I can become a son of God is by means of adoption. And Paul says, we are sons of God by adoption. We are not sons of God by birth. We are sons of God by adoption. Uh, this is not a problem for those who are coming from other faiths. It's very easy for them to understand and realize. It is, it is extremely difficult for those who are coming from a Christian family because right from their childhood or from our childhood, all that we have heard is we are children of God. We are children of God. We are children of God. It is true. We are children of God. You can say that. But in the process, we have not explained what salvation means. That is why most of the Christians are not excited about their salvation. The way the people who come from other faiths, the way they are excited about their salvation, 
people coming from a Christian family, they are not excited about their salvation because they have not fully understood what salvation entails, what it means, the richness of salvation. It is the day we are saved, we have been taken from one family, Adam's family, and we have brought, adopted into God's family. It is like taking somebody from a slum and placing him in a palace. There is a total difference in his status. It's totally different. Salvation is taking somebody from a slum with all his dirty clothes, with all the dirt that is on him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and he plucked us from that slum and he placed us in the palace. The prodigal son's father said, go and bring the best robe for my son who has returned home. So we need to explain the importance of salvation. We need to realize it is like you are placed in the dungeon and you are brought out from the dungeon. If you study the prison system in the ancient history and the ancient Near East, you'll understand how dark that place was. It is from that darkness, when we study from the dominion of darkness, he has brought us into the marvelous kingdom of light. Do we realize that? Because we are sons of God, because God chose to adopt us, he was not obliged to bring us from the dominion of darkness to the marvelous kingdom of light. He was not obliged, but it is his love. That is our salvation. That is the glorious truth. And that's what Paul wants to remind us. I pray that we all will understand the truth of, about our salvation. Though we are imperfect, we are nevertheless the sons of God. God did not save us once we became perfect. While we were yet sinners, God delivered us. He saved us. And because he has saved us, he has brought us from that, from the slum, from the dungeon. It is like the life of Joseph. He was in the dungeon one day, and the next day he was brought to the palace. And for us, for each one of us, that's what salvation signifies. We are sons of God by adoption. Because, so what does salvation mean? Salvation means we have been given a new life and Paul says rejoice in it. That's the reason Paul says rejoice. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
Why? Because you have a big car? No, because you have a new life. You have a new nature. And we are partakers of the divine nature. And this is salvation. We become sons of God on the day we have been saved. Not on the day we have become perfect. Because we can never achieve perfection by our efforts. Though we are on the way to perfection. We have been adopted by our God as his children. Adopted. Not by birth. By birth, we were sons of Adam. But the day we were saved, we become sons of God by adoption. Now, we have a new life, a new nature, and we are partakers of the divine nature. Yes, son and father. The moment we say that we are sons of God by adoption, it is not enough to say that, yeah, I am a son of God, but we should also realize, yes, son and father share similarities. They have certain things in common. They, they share some kind of nature. And that is the kind of relationship God has with us. It means that there is a likeness and similarity of mind and of outlook. The way we see things, the way we perceive things. We could bury our beloved ones and still look to God and say, you are our hope, you are our joy. As sons of God, we have the mind of Christ. If we have the mind of Christ, if we are truly sons of God, and if you have that mind of Christ, that should be reflected in our behavior. It is not enough just we keep saying, I have the mind of Christ. And if it is not reflected in our behavior, because this is taught in many places in scripture. Jesus said in on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 43 to 45, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. That you may be children of your father in heaven. Children of Adam cannot do this. Children of Adam cannot love their enemies. Children of Adam cannot pray for those who persecute them. But sons of God can love their enemies. Sons of God can pray for those who persecute them. And Paul says, if you want to overcome your sin, or if you want to lead a victorious Christian life, this should be your motive. The motive should not be that I may be happier or that I may have victory over a particular sin. It is desirable. It's a desirable motive. I'm not saying it should, we should not have. 
what Paul says is that is a very low motive. It is a very, you know, it's a very low motivation. You, the motivation for us to lead a holy life should come from this truth that we are sons of God by adoption. That's why I said sanctification is not the focus of this chapter because when we make sanctification as the focus of this chapter, we begin with ourselves and we end with ourselves and we are pleased with ourselves. I have a sinful habit. Now I have focused on myself. I have overcome that. I'm very pleased with myself. That's not the focus of this chapter. The focus of this chapter is to live as sons of God. To behave as children of our father. We are to behave as children of our father. Wherever you are being placed, wherever you are being placed, whether you are a pastor or a teacher or a technocrat or a driver or just you're cooking some food, whatever you're doing, we are to behave as children of our Father. That's the reason Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, 16, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Before this verse, you just put within the brackets, I am a son of God. I am a son of God. Because you are a son of God, the light of God in you should shine. It is not that you generate that light. Because you are a son of God, that light within you should shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's the reason our walk, our conversation, our life is to be a kind that is suggestive of God himself. The deeds that we do should be similar to what God wants to do. That's the reason Jesus said, I don't do anything by myself. I see what my father is doing and I just replicate that. And God wants his children also to do the very same thing. Now, what happens when we are adopted as sons of God? We are sons of God by adoption. What happens the moment you are taken from that slum, the moment we are taken from that slum, and when we are placed in that palace, in God's palace, the moment we are taken from Adam's family and when we are placed in God's family, God takes responsibility over your life. He takes special interest in your life. He takes special interest in your well-being, in your welfare, in your good. The moment God is my father, it is his responsibility to take care of me. That's the reason Luke 12, 7 says, indeed, 
the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. As fathers, don't we plan for our children? As earthly fathers, don't we plan for our children? It is true that children will come and ask us for something and we give them. And if a child looks to the father only to that much, it is very miserable. This is the way we go to God, we ask God and God gives us and we say, thank you, God. If that's all the way we have understood our God, we have not understood our God as our father. As a child, I never worried or cared or planned for my life. Till I became an adult, I never bothered from where that fees will come to which school I should go, what all I should do, I didn't care because my father took care of me. And if I am a child of God, if I am a son of God, that's the reason Bible says, do not be anxious about anything. It's not enough, we say this verse, but we need to say to ourselves, I am a son of God. This morning, let me encourage you. Let me make you understand and realize you are sons of God. If you are sons of God, your life is planned. Your purpose is determined by your heavenly father and your father has already planned your life. The whole of our salvation is the result of God's great and glorious plan. If we have been saved, remember from that day onwards, God has taken charge over our lives because he is our heavenly father. If an earthly father plans so much in advance, this much of fees I have to save. This is a school where I have to send. Child, this is not good for you, so you should do this. You should go for extra tuition. If an earthly father can plan so much for their children, how much more our heavenly father will plan for ourselves? How does he achieve this? Because he leads us he directs us by the Spirit. By the Spirit, He leads us and He guides us. We all know this verse by heart. Psalm 23.3, He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Know your God as your Father and say before that this verse, my Father guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. My father, God is my father, and he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Are you not excited about your salvation? That is why salvation is considered more precious than anything else in this world. This world, this life is not about 
collecting money, collecting degrees, collecting achievements and accolades. This life is not about that. This life is living out the life that God wants us to live. Our Heavenly Father has good plans for each one of us. Our Heavenly Father has good plans for each one of us because we are his sons by adoption. We are his sons by adoption. Let me come to my last point. Sons of God are led by the Spirit. I said we are children of Adam by birth. This is very important for us to understand and remember. We are children of Adam by birth. And especially for those of us who have come from Christian families, we need to keep telling ourselves we are children of Adam by birth. And we are sons of God by adoption. We are sons of God by adoption. And sons of God are led by the Spirit. That's Romans 8, 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Paul says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. There is an extremely tight connection between verse 14 and verse 13. I already said in verse 13, he says, with the Spirit of God, we can triumph over our sins. For verse 13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death, for if by the Spirit, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Paul says, we can really triumph, we can really be victorious over the sin within us because of the Holy Spirit. He explains why this great power has been given to us. In verse 13, he said, by the Spirit, we can put to death the misdeeds of the body. This is this, this privilege. And this resource is available only to God's children. By the Spirit, we can put to death. There is no question of I'm helpless. By the Spirit, we can put to death the misdeeds of the body. And Paul says, why this enormous power has been given to you? It has been given to you because you are sons of God. Because you have been adopted into the family of God, you have been given that power to overcome or to put to death the misdeeds of the body. So what do we do now? So what we do now, we are led to hate the things the Holy Spirit hates. So what does the Holy Spirit hate? Sin, sinful behavior, sinful thoughts. So we are led, we are enabled because the DNA of us is to run towards Adam, to run away from God. 
but we are adopted children. That's why we have been given the spirit. And by the spirit, we hate sin. And we love the things Holy Spirit loves. Holy Spirit loves our Lord Jesus Christ. Our love for Lord Jesus Christ will increase if we understand we are sons of God by adoption. We belong to that family. Once you realize, once that a boy realizes he used to live in that slum, a savior came, plucked him from that slum, and brought him to that palace. That boy will never forget that hand that has plucked him out of that slum and has brought him to that palace. Once we know we are sons of God by adoption, we will never forget that nail-pierced hand that plucked us from that slum, from that dungeon, and brought us into this glorious place. So verse 14 is very clear. If the Holy Spirit is not in us, we are not sons of God. If we have Jesus, if we believe in Jesus, we have the assurance, the Spirit of God. So as Father, God takes special interest in us. He rebukes us, he punishes us, and at times we have to suffer. Not because God delights in punishing us, but it is for our profit and for our benefit and for our sanctification. He is in the process of making us like his only begotten son. He is in the process of making each one of us Conforming us to the image of his begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where holiness comes. That should be our motivation. Because I'm a son of God, I want to live like a son of God. I no longer belong to that old slum man, to Adam. Now I belong to this king, and I want to live like a king's son. God provides for us. God protects us, and he cares for us. Every single hair on my head is numbered. Looking back across our lives, we can confidently say, but for his grace, there have several incidents that have taken place in our lives. We can always say, but for his gracious hand, I will not be here, but for his hand, because he's a God who continues to guide us, care for us. Underneath are the everlasting arms. God is ever present, surrounding us with his unconditional love. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Some people, they tend to spiritualize this verse. They say, led by the Spirit of God means the Spirit of God will tell me 
what dress I have to wear. And they, they tell that, you know, the Spirit of God told me to wear blue colored dress, white colored dress. But that is not scriptural. That is not scriptural. Listen to this carefully. This morning, I chose my dress. I didn't hear the Spirit of God telling me, this is the dress you have to wear. But as I was preparing for the message, the Spirit of God specifically impressed upon my heart, I should focus on verse 14. I was planning to prepare a message you know, covering the entire passage from 14 to 17, but the Spirit of God impressed upon my heart to speak on 814. So the Spirit of God does not control my life. This is the specs I should wear. This is the way I should do. No, that's not the way. He doesn't control my life. And people, I've heard people saying, God told me what to cook. I have never heard my wife saying that this is what God told me to cook. Last night itself, she said, tomorrow morning, I'm planning to make this for breakfast. And that's what she prepared. God, the Spirit of God doesn't control and muzzle our lives. There is so much of freedom in our lives. The Spirit of God is there to remind us we are sons of God. You know, God is not a violent God. The Spirit of God is not violent. He will not force His way. We need to be very clear. Spirit of God is very gentle. Because Holy Spirit is a gentle, sensitive spirit, he can easily be grieved. He can easily be grieved. If this is the way Holy Spirit controls me, if Holy Spirit says you have to wear blue color and I wear red color, he'll be grieved. We will not, you know, we cannot help stop grieving the Holy Spirit. That's not the way the Holy Spirit leads his children. He leads us to realize that we are children of God. This is all super spiritual. Many instructions in the Bible are very clear, explicit. They are clear. We have to just read the Bible and follow those instructions. How do we know that we are led by the Holy Spirit? Now, Pastor, you say that Holy Spirit is not going to tell me what I have to cook, what I have to wear. Holy Spirit is involved in our lives 24-7. How do we know that we are led by the Holy Spirit? We are children of Adam by birth. We are sons of God by adoption. And sons of God are led by the Holy Spirit. So now how do we know that we are led by the Holy Spirit? When we talk about being led by the Holy Spirit, the tendency of some to, they begin to think of dreams and visions. You know, the Spirit of God will give me a dream and the Spirit of God will give me a vision. But the vital question is, is the Holy Spirit enlightening my mind? 
is the Holy Spirit enlightening my mind? About what? About God himself. You know, when people say dreams and visions, they dream about others. They have visions about others. But I'm not, uh, there is a place for dreams, there is a place for visions. Uh, I read in the Bible more, you know, when God anoints people, the people are uh, able to interpret the dreams. It is not Joseph had a dream, the Pharaoh had a dream. It is not Daniel had a dream, the king Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. So the interpretation comes from God. So I'm not against that. But how does the Holy Spirit lead us? It's about God himself. Is he enlightening my mind? The ministry of the Holy Spirit, the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit is not to tell you what to cook, what to wear. The primary ministry of the Holy Spirit is to teach us, to lead us into the truth. He is known as the spirit of truth. He is known as the spirit of truth. So the truth concerning God the Father as he has been revealed in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. The more the Holy Spirit leads us, the more we will know about our Father, about our Lord Jesus Christ, because he leads us to an increase in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, his person and his work. Salvation becomes precious because he takes us there. He shows us what Jesus has done for us on the cross. So from the scripture, I'm going to give just six tests. There are several tests, but I'm going to give six tests. It is not that we have to pass all the tests. No, not at all. Because all of us are in different stages in our spiritual journey. Even if you say that one test, I have passed even one test, I feel this is true with regard to my life, you can be sure of being led by the Holy Spirit. Even one, even if you have that semblance, yes, I think it's happening in my life, you can be sure that you are being led by the Holy Spirit. If you are able to say it is true in respect of all these tests, it only shows about our walk in our spiritual life. These are all scriptural tests. So we can take it boldly. The number one test. If I am led by the Holy Spirit, then he determines my whole outlook upon life. If I am led by the Holy Spirit, then he determines my whole outlook upon life. Now, let me explain this. If you have that urge to attend the Bible study, if you have the urge to attend the prayer meetings, missions prayer, community prayer, any family prayer, or individual prayer, if you have that urge, then remember you are being led by the Holy Spirit. If Bible study, community prayer, missions prayer becomes boring, dull, if somebody is talking about God and that is such a boring thing, then we need to introspect our lives. The second test, 
the person who is led by the holy spirit is a person who desire to live for god's glory i have been created by god though i am a child of adam by birth i have been created by god so my entire focus is to live for god's glory and to enjoy him forever i have come out of that slum now i am in the palace i want to live for this king and i want to enjoy him if you are that kind of person you are being led by the holy spirit the third test is the person who is led by the holy spirit always has a desire within them for a greater knowledge of god and our lord jesus christ i have a hunger to study the word of god not sermons on tv this sermon that's i want to study the scripture god has revealed himself in the scripture and the truth is there in the scripture and that's why we have to some other things are plain and some other things we struggle and we struggle and the holy spirit enlightens our mind so when we have that kind of a desire we have greater knowledge of god and our lord jesus christ then we are led by the holy spirit the fourth test is anyone who is led by the holy spirit is always concerned about the lack of love for god and our lord jesus christ i have been the more you understand your salvation i have been brought out from that slum now i am in this palace what can i do in response to that love that amazing love you always feel for what god has done everything i do is not enough the fifth test is poor is being led by the holy spirit has an increasing awareness of sin within let me explain this because you have to be very clear whoever is being led by the holy spirit has an increasing awareness of sin within this is not condemnation this is conviction because the chapter itself begins with that assurance therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus increasing awareness of sin within god is you know jesus said i am the light of the world the closer you get to the light the more you are aware of the darkness the closer you get to the light this is not condemnation in salvation i understand my depravity some people don't like to hear this word my depravity i understand i understand i have been plucked out from that slum i understand my condition i understand my appearance i understand my inner thoughts so the closer i get to god i see this more and more i have an increasing awareness the older i get i realize how horrible i am it is not condemnation it is conviction conviction 
the fallen human nature is horrible it is miserable son of god one who had no sin had to come and die in my place that itself shows the magnitude the seriousness of my sinful condition it is not just cancer it is fourth stage of cancer there was no hope there's no hope it has spread all over my body salvation is that the utter depravity some of you may find it uncomfortable to listen to the statements but it is true the closer you get to the light the more you realize the darkness in us it is not condemnation let me be let it make it very clear it is not condemnation it is conviction the last test are we manifesting the fruit of the spirit are we manifesting the fruit of the spirit now if all the six is right that you, that shows that you are increasingly you are being led by the holy spirit we all grow in us in our spiritual life we don't have to feel jealous of others god has a spiritual journey for each one of us if anyone is right you are in the right place you are in the right place you are being led by the holy spirit the more and more you depend on the holy spirit the more and more you understand your salvation experience you will tend to come to the second question or first third fourth fifth sixth the greater we grow in the awareness of the holy spirit the greatest we the greater we depend on the power of the holy spirit we'll be able to say this is true 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 at whatever stage you might be even if you have put a tick mark only for one test thank god thank god because you are son of god even if only one thing you have put a tick mark rejoice in him because you are a son of god and learn to live like son of god in the due course of time you will see the spirit of god working in your life more and more and more this morning i only want all of us to realize we are sons of god he is our heavenly god is our heavenly father and he has planned each and everything for us shall we look to the lord in prayer glorious father we thank you for this blessed assurance that we all are sons of god all those who believe in our lord jesus christ are sons of god what a great privilege oh god you are our heavenly father not even a single hair will fall from my head without your knowledge thank you for your love thank you for your mercy thank you for this salvation experience let me not trade this salvation experience for a bowl of porridge or lard like esau did let me not exchange this let me not exchange this for anything oh lord lord thank you for saving me thank you for the blood that you shed for me on the cross for the body that was broken thank you for the salvation thank you lord for taking me from the dominion of darkness and for bringing me into the marvelous 
kingdom of light. We bless your name. I pray each and every one of us will be encouraged and help us to live like sons of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.